นโมทัสสะภะคะวะโตอะระหะโตสัมมาสัมโมทัสสะนโมทัสสะภะคะวะโตอะระหะโตสัมมาสัมโมทัสสะนโมทัสสะภะคะวะโตอะระหะโตสัมมาสัมโมทัสสะพุทธังธรรมังสังฆังนามัสามิเราใช้ความคิดของเราและความคิดของเราในการสร้างสรรค์ 
defined by them. We find our, the worlds we live in defined by them. And it's not just us who's doing it. We live in a society that has its own kamma. We inherit other people's perceptions and, and stories, the stories of our, our time, the stories of our communities, the stories of our families and, and the people that we, we live with and our own memories and, and uh, hopes and dreams and desires. It creates a whole world, the world that we live in. And having the chance to get perspective on it in the way that we do is, is of course, a rare opportunity. And then we, we, we need help to do it. So we've got, we've got uh, a community of people, however briefly we come together and form a, um, a team. Ajahn Suchito, IMS Retreat 2014 team for eight days. Whatever that might mean, we support each other by being together. And, we, we, um, and yet we need help in respect to you know, the ways that we investigate and the ways that we, we are with our experience. So the traditional um, instructions and teachings and, and many different ways of practicing give us some structure um, upon which we can rest and, and, and through which we can start to see these patterns which are so hard to see otherwise. And using that basic you know, formula of body and mind is one that the Buddha returned to again and again, emphasizing the, the benefit that can come from contemplating something as seemingly obvious and as, as right here, right now, as the body, as, as simple as, as the physical, our, our physical experience of our bodies. And there are all kinds of ways to do that. Um, Ajahn Suchita has been guiding us in, you know, perceiving the energetic experience that we have and exploring the, the sensations um, in our physical experience, and using the breath meditation as well to explore our bodies in terms of, you know, in terms of our experience of, of the body and also in terms of the, the basic forces um, of you know, solidity and fluidity, heat and movement, you can break down physical experience into as as a as a as an experience of sensation. And there are other ways of contemplating the body where we just simply use our perception, the 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 perceptual you know story that we have even, where we bring it to mind. We use our perception of the body, you know this this thing here, sitting here, and just notice it. There are ways to investigate where you're noticing particular aspects, and they can be extremely helpful just um, in penetrating through some of the, uh, the, the un- unconscious but nevertheless powerful ways that we experience ourselves in the world. And yet, at the same time, we're we're all, you know, speaking with people in the interviews and just my own life, and with people living at the monasteries. I know how we're all we're all we're all we're all a we're all a bundle of trouble. Really, there's just uh, there's so much suffering in the world. My goodness, we're all carrying around a lot of 
of challenges. And so it's not necessarily always going to have uh, you know, the, the, the effect that we're looking for when we take up some of these practices. And traditionally, some of the practices of looking at the elements of the body, for instance, even the unattractive side of the body, the asubha practices, where you're, 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 you're countering the, the uh, tendency of the mind to look only for the attractive things, only for that which, which is delicious and which is uh, desirable. And, and, and not see the other side of it, not see the whole picture, to counter that by particularly looking at, you know, all of it, including the unattractive parts. Um, that, that practice can sometimes not have the desired effect just because we're carrying so much baggage in terms of, you know, a kind of history of, of uh, um, insecurity about ourselves, insecurity about our bodies, stuff we've inherited from our society, from 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 the the um, religious um, history of our society, also just our own families, our own personal histories. So we need to experiment for ourselves and see what's helpful and what's not helpful. But generally, um, body contemplation is is balanced with loving kindness, with metta. Bhavana, the the practice of uh, you know making sure that you're balanced in terms of a caring attitude towards yourself and towards others, and then from this basis, one can can sort of safely, as it were, start to notice the kinds of things. I don't know if you've looked at these chanting books. I doubt we'll get to this chant during this retreat, but there is one of them that called the thirty-two parts of the body, where you go through, and and it starts out by saying. This body is a is like a sack of a sack filled with unattractive things, and then you list the unattractive things that are in here that we can choose to contemplate if we wish, rather than choosing to forget them, like blood and pus and bile and tears and all these things that you think, why are we? Why are we chanting this? <laughs> you know, it's easy to see why we're chanting about loving kindness and generosity and, and uh, you know, being free from the power of greed, hatred and delusion. And then in the same voices, here we are with hands and angelies using pus and blood and brains and bile and bowels. And... Again, if we're if we're coming from a basis where we're not we 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 don't have the a, a sort of balanced attitude towards it in terms of of caring for ourselves, then it can have you know it it can have an undesirable effect in the sense of, uh, of of reinforcing aversion, and that's definitely not what it's meant uh, to. Uh, that's not what it's meant to do. This is a, a, a practice, you know, just using the body to, to, to contemplate is a practice that's meant to lead to a coolness. It's kind of a counter to the heat of, a, of, of desire and attraction and worry and self-identification that we can have. And, and in that way, free our heart to, to have less aversion. Um, and so if we find that we do these practices and it, and it doesn't have a good effect, well then we, we put it down and we do some more metta contemplation. That's generally the, the uh, advice that I was given over the years in Thailand. And, 
And, uh, you know, because one can find that if one practices just contemplating the body as the body, you know, perceptually, you have skin and muscle and bone, and we have all these meditation instructions on just uh, contemplating a skeleton, sitting and, and visualizing a skeleton, you know, or, or muscles, or, or these kinds of things. Sometimes the effect over time can be one of, of uh, general um, depression. You kind of just find that you wake up in the morning and it's all gray, and uh, and there's not much you, you you can find that it leads that way. And 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 sometimes the antidote is just simply a conscious hour of putting that aside and and practicing metta bhavana, of loving kindness for yourself and others, and that sort of just uh, rebalances the mind. Because we you know we we do make things so complicated. And um, essentially we are, in, in a very real way, just a bunch of bodies sitting in a room together, you know, breathing. And it's not, you know, it's, 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 it doesn't have to be that much more complicated than that, essentially. And yet, and yet it is, isn't it, in our experience? Like when you have a, you know, other creatures don't seem to make it so much so complicated as we do. I mean, we don't know, but I, I when you see you know, um, a bunch of sparrows sitting around on a, on a, on a, uh, on the ground looking for seeds or whatever they do. You, you, they're not generally, you don't think that they're generally making so much of a problem out of, out of their lives as we do when we sit down. You know, they're, they're thinking about basic things. Where's the seed? Where's the, where's the, whatever it is that they eat? They don't eat worms. Where's the crumb? And we do that too, but we make a whole lot more on top of it. So using the body as a as a reference point, just noticing that this is a body sitting here, going through the the various experiences that we have in terms of the khandhas, in terms of you know the physical, the body, and then in terms of feeling, there's pleasant, there's unpleasant, there's there's neutral. In terms of all the stuff coming through the senses. There's perception, you know, sanya, that which says, okay, this is, this is a room, uh, I'm a person, this is a, you know, a microphone. There's sankhara, the formative tendencies, all of that which is going on, which is forming the world and, and which is proliferating and fabricating a whole narrative and, and, and sort of in compelling us along. You know, the, the, that which we really feel is us, the intention why we do things, the tendency to do things, that that's also part of this sort of karmically conditioned um, formative tendency, this process, which is called sankhara. And, the, uh, and then, uh, you know, our experience of consciousness through the senses. So there's, there's the five senses of the eyes, ears, nose, taste, and body. And then there's the mind sense, mano vinyana, everything else that we're doing, building this whole world. So we're bodies sitting here, and then there's a whole world that we're building. And just by contemplating the body, you know, widening out, and not worrying too much you know, about m- me and my, my practice and my need to move on on this issue or that issue or this person or that person, but just simply sitting for an hour or half an hour or whatever it is, being with the body, sitting and breathing and noticing that it's just a body and everything else, the whole world that I'm creating is, is part of 
of what you could call the mind. Just noticing that much, even though all of us know, know it, can have a very powerful effect. You know, because that which knows the body is the body, and that which knows the mind is the mind, is not the body, is not the mind. And it gives us a chance to get in, familiarize ourselves with that quality of knowing, that, that stillness within which the body arises, within which the mind, all its aspects arise. So bringing attention to the body can be extremely helpful, the, the physical aspect of it, not just, so, so that's the, also the, 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 the inner sensations, it's also our perception of the body. You know, skin and nails and teeth, head hair and body hair. These are the five aspects that the Buddha felt was important enough to include in the, the ordination ceremony for, for monks and nuns. We, we, you know, we don't just chant the 32 parts sometimes at the pujas, but you'll, when you become a samana, a, a sort of enter the, the Buddhist monastic order, that's one of the meditations that's given to you. You have to repeat it. The preceptor says, teeth, nails, skin, hair of the head, hair of the body. And then you repeat, teeth, nails, skin, hair of the head, hair of the body. Very strange. Maybe, you know, it seems like an archaic thing to us. It just must be from, it was a long time ago, and, you know, the, the, we're much more sophisticated now in our understanding of meditation, and therefore, you know, these things probably aren't as, as powerful as they used to be for all those people back then. And this was the Buddha, giving these ba- very basic ways of contemplating, and, and with the intention that it help us free our hearts from that which we're, we're enmeshed in, that we're attached to. So just, just noticing that, just noticing, the, you know, looking at, our, at, at one's hands and seeing not just, you know, my hands and, oh, they're a little older than they used to be or whatever, that, whatever are the perception that comes up around that, but just, ah, uh, yeah, skin and nails. And then we know, you know, from, our, from the learning we've done and we can bring it to mind if we wish to contemplate in this way, underneath there's, there's bone and there's flesh. So it's not to get morbid, and it's not to try to sort of, you know, make, you know, tell you, kind of force ourselves to think in a certain way, but it's to, it's another tool in the toolbox, a way of, of reflecting that can have a profound, you know, profound potential to give us a perspective on our own minds. And yet, you know, with um, the capacity that we have and the, the tendency that we have to get so so complicated, then we do really have to keep a, 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 an eye on where we're coming from when we do this. So, you know, loving kindness and to do this from a from a place of caring is probably something which, in this culture at least is really important to establish. So, I, you know, for me, this is the, the way in, is to, um, when we take up these practices, to just reflect, to, 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 to notice, where am I coming from as I approach this practice? You know, why am I, not only why am I doing this, but, you know, how, what's the, the, the tone? What's, what's the, um, what's the, uh, where's the intention coming from here? 
you know, because sometimes we can do the best practices. We can even have some some relative success, you know, to uh, with them, concentration or um, certain kinds of investigation that we're doing, and yet we don't notice that we're coming from, you know, essentially from a sort of emotional position of. I'm not good enough and I need to get better. You know, I, 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 I don't practice enough and now finally I'm going to make myself practice as much as I should. It's the shoulds and the shouldn'ts which are there in the background that we often don't see. That um, when we practice metta, it gives us, a chance to, to, gives us a chance to see them and it gives us a chance to, to, to sort of heal ourselves from that affliction. And that's something that, um, you know, hearing... Uh, Many of the people in the groups, and knowing from my own experience, is, is it's really, it's not easy. As probably everyone here knows what metta is. Probably everyone here has had, has has practiced loving kindness, and probably everyone here, or many of us, have had trouble. You know, and thought, oh God, I can't practice metta, or not today, or you know, whatever it is. We might have some resistance or some feeling of insecurity around it some feeling of failure with it even. And because, well, there can be different reasons, but what I've noticed is that we can associate the sort of results of metta practice, the, the, the feelings, the, the emotions and perceptions that arise, um, that can arise, we, 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 we confuse that with the, with the practice itself. So we, we think that if I'm not feeling loving feelings, then I, I'm not practicing metta that in order to practice metta, I have to somehow find and generate loving feelings, and then, and then, you know, then I'm succeeding. And my, my from in my experience, metta is, is not about, you know, what I'm experiencing, the feeling that I'm having, but it's rather the, the intention that I have, the, the where I'm coming from, a caring, a kind of caring intention. And so that's something that we can, we always can do, even if we're feeling miserable, even if we're feeling full of all kinds of non-meta feelings, you know, anti-meta. <laughs> we can have, I mean, that's painful. We can take a step back and we can see, you know, this hurts. I want to practice meta and I can't. And that hurts. And just in that moment, I can have the, the wish that I be free from this, the wish that I'd be all right. That's metta right there. It doesn't mean I suddenly feel pink and radiant, but it's in this moment, how am I with what I'm experiencing? Can I come from a place of, of wishing myself well? And in terms of others as well, you know, so when we think of others, we might not be able to feel the feelings that we'd like to feel about them, but perhaps we can find a way to you know have the intention that they be well and if even if we can't even if we if we if 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 we if we're caught in a uh, a cycle of pain which means that, that that that's not possible right now we can we can hope that we'll, that we can wish ourselves to be able to come to a place where eventually i can wish you well and in a sense it's not fudging it that really is an expression of metta you know, because you do want to care. Wanting to care is an expression of caring, and that's something to to, to recognize and hold up and uh, value. You know, if we feel that we can't practice metta because we don't feel the right feelings, well, we can just stay with that. the The wish, 
the wish to be loving. Even if we feel that we're not loving, we can stay with the wish to be loving. And this is, this is actually the practice of metta. It's one form of it. So making that a conscious effort and, 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 and keeping that in mind is something which also has ex- extraordinary power. And, uh, and that I, I, you know, I think that it can't be emphasized enough that it's not a matter of feeling the feelings you want to feel or associate with, with what you should feel when you practice metta, but it's just always in this moment you know, finding that place in, in yourself, you know, when we find that place in ourselves that cares, and and coming from there, whatever the, what whatever it means, and then again coming from coming from a place that cares, and that means sometimes maybe we'll be focusing just on ourselves, maybe on on other people in our lives, maybe we'll have a, a narrower focus on some particular uh, you know pain emotional or physical in our in that we in our consciousness maybe it'll mean we widen out and we we keep our our awareness broad but just keeping that in mind the intention you know may i be well may i be free from suffering may 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 everyone be well may we be free from suffering has an incredible power, um, as I'm sure everyone here, you know, believes this, or, or, or I would imagine most of us who've been listening to Buddhist talks and Dharma talks and centers, you know, we all believe it. But then, what, you know, how do we do it? How do we actually find it? So that, you know, permission to feel whatever we feel is 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 crucial. Um, it's uh, something which is unconditional. Metta, the unconditional love. There are no conditions. It's not, you know, love if I feel the right feelings. It's 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 caring, you know, the the wishing of, of, of well being. And that's something we can do however we feel, however we are, wherever we are. And it is a wherever we are kind of practice. It is it's a kind of thing that you can do on the on the bus you know, or the, whatever people take these days. There's hardly any public transport here. So the riding in the car or the, um, you know, walking down the street. You can't always, you know, do lifting, lifting, moving, moving, placing, placing when you're out in the world or at the workplace. You can't always do some of the more subtle kinds of contemplation that we do. You can always be mindful. So that's something to keep going. But you can also, you know, frame it with with metta, with with the wish, you know, just noticing how the mind is in terms of its caring or or, or otherwise towards oneself and or others, and, and and making a choice. Just stay with that, you know. May I be free from harm. We all have this basic wish, um, whether we we recognize it or not. We want to be happy. You know, we want to be okay. And actually, it's very natural, even though we get confused about it sometimes, we want others to be happy too. And we can find that in ourselves. <laughs> we can find it and stay with that perception. And just like, you know, keeping the body in mind in ways that we don't normally, you know, keeping this in, keeping metta, loving kindness in mind in ways that might seem just sort of too basic or, or, or not deep enough, you know, because we don't have... Um, radiant feelings that we've had before in our meditation and, and, and can't get back to. Just because we don't have that doesn't mean that it's not having a profoundly um, potent effect. 
So ba- for me, balancing those two, you know, loving kindness and body contemplation has been a, one of the foundations that, that uh, I've been sort of taught over the years and is part of the forest tradition and the you know, Theravada Buddhist practice. And it's a natural thing to, to do, especially the metta um, practice is really like coming, coming to a natural place. I see it as, as kind of removing ob- obstacles to, to the heart's natural caring. You know, our, our, we don't have to generate a loving heart that we don't have yet. It's more like we're obstructed by this or that, and we have to find a way to remove the obstructions and allow the heart to, to be its natural caring. Oops, self. <laughs> and that's the thing, is if we don't, we, if, we, if we take it personally and we say, I am a loving person and I, or I am not a loving person, or I, he has lots of metta, but she doesn't have much metta, and I have, I used to have metta, but now I'm getting caught and I don't have metta. We, we're, we're losing the plot. You know, I had metta during that retreat and now I don't have metta. We don't have to do that. You know, it, it really is a matter of, of process and, uh, and attention to process and, and, and keeping it in this moment without needing to go into, you know, building up, am I successful, am I failing, am I this kind of person or that kind of person, but just being with this freshly now in a way which is from, you know, keeping caring in mind, keeping loving kindness in mind, uh, without the idealism of I need to feel a certain kind of emotion, but rather just, you know, can I, can I find that place in me that I, I, I have the intention, may I be well, and I have the intention, may you be well. And, and maybe I get it wrong, but that's where, I, that's where I'm trying to come from. And, and, and staying with that. Then eventually bringing it to these, all these practices we do. You know, the mindfulness practices, the concentration practices, the renunciation practices, the, the livelihood practices, and body contemplation itself. You know, not ignoring the power of... of what the Buddha really did recommend. It was the first foundation of mindfulness and it was really in there a lot as, as something that, which can produce great benefit for, for those of us who, who choose to try to get some perspective on, on, our, on our lives, on our minds, on ourselves. You know, to see self arise see it for what it is, see it arise and pass away, arise and pass away. We need something which gives us some continuity and, you know, perspective that's not all bound up with our sense of identity. And so just even simple reflections on noticing how the body changes, you know, both in terms of it, how we feel, sensations that we, that we experience, but also in terms of, you know, that it's physical changes. This body is not the same body as, as it was when I was, you know, 10 years old. It's totally different. Every cell is completely different. Even the bone marrow, apparently, or whatever the, I think the longest lasting cells are seven years. There's not one cell left It's the same. It's a process which has been changing the whole time and still is changing. We can see, you know, every time we cut our fingernails, there's an opportunity for profound Buddhist practice. You know, it's growing and, and falling off and, and 
And then if we, if we do, if we can find it in ourselves to be sort of, you know, confident and caring, then it's not as threatening and it won't necessarily um, uh, generate aversion in any way. If we do start to turn towards that about the body, which is not as attractive, um, it's not about, you know, it, we can still love ourselves, we can even love the body, whatever that might mean, but in terms of getting a sort of a profound perspective on our sense of identity. You know, I am this, I am the body. Surprisingly enough, you know, looking at that which we don't want to look at helps. It can help at least. So we have those, those teachings and, and, this, and the opportunity to just see the body is the body, the mind is the mind, and notice where we're coming from with it all. Keeping the mindfulness the sense of awareness, that which knows what we're, what we're looking at, you know, the, the knowing of body, the knowing of mind, the knowing of whatever we're aware of, you know, keeping that awareness at the center and, and then keeping our balance with that. These are things we can do, you know, all the time. So we, even when this special situation finishes and we're no longer at, uh, you know, when Team Ajahn Suchito 2014 IMS breaks up, we're back in our lives, wherever that is, however it means, these are things we can bring in. We don't have to generate a retreat environment in order to have profound ways of continuing the, the practice. At least this is what I've, I've come to, to, to um, rely upon in my own practice, and, and that's very much the way that we have it in, in the monastery life. You know, we don't set it up so that it's a retreat. It's not, a lot of people think that it is a, a retreat all the time. That you go to the monastery and then it's just going to be like 24 hour, seven day a week retreat. And anybody who lives in a monastery knows that that's absolutely not what, what it is. It can be set up that way sometimes. We've had our winter retreat over the winter where we did our best. And, uh, and yet you don't want to do that, you know. We, you, you want to have a mix of life experience because the practice has to encompass all of us. It has to encompass the totality of who, how we are, of what the world is, and who we are. And so we're not going to see everything. We're not going to find a way to bring everything into the practice if we're always um, containing the practice within a special situation. So these special situations are tremendously valuable because they give us permission. You know, everything's taken care of. We don't have to do anything except you know, this. And that's a wonderful gift. And then at the same time, we, each one of us, in our own time, in our own way, needs to find a way of, of bringing our life into the practice more and more. So in the monastery, there'll be work and there'll be you know, conversations and there'll be group meditation time, there'll be individual meditation time, there'll be a, a whole mix of, of, of pretty much, you know, ordinary life, and yet, you know, the differences are, are, are not just, ex, you know, external differences are quite obvious, there are Buddha images and people are wearing robes and things, but the, the sort of lifestyle differences aren't always so obvious until you, you start to get a, a sense of the, the power of people who living, you know, committed to um, the precepts, committed to the moral precepts, committed to 
to um, renunciation precepts in themselves aren't necessarily uh, so special. It could be this kind of renunciation, could be that kind of renunciation, but to have a certain certain commitment to something greater than oneself, a kind of sense of of, of serving the Dhamma, so that you're you're living the practice not just for your own benefit, but for to help the practice of everybody else, those in the monastic community and those who come to the monastery and later generations. That sense all of us can have, we don't have to be a monk or a nun and we don't have to live in a monastery, but we can bring this sense of service in, 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 into our practice, a sense of offering. And uh, you know that may or may not express itself uh, in, in terms of devotion. You know, the word, whatever that word might mean to you, but a sense of where you, it's not just about me and my practice and my problems and needing to further it, you know, so that I can get to, um, you know, where I where I know I need to get to. But it's it's the sense of just you know kind of offering that up and and giving giving up too much of that, uh, and it doesn't mean necessarily to other people. We, we, one can think of it as, you know, offer it to the Buddha if that helps. One doesn't have to. One can think of it as offer it to other practitioners if that helps. One doesn't have to. But it, just a sense of of service to that which is beneficial, service to um, goodness can be enough. Each one of us might perceive it differently in ways that are helpful. But basically... That that change is is an important one too, where we are starting to focus on the practice for the practice's sake, rather than thinking about it as me and my problems. And that doesn't mean that you know if we're thinking about it as me and my problems that we're wrong or that we're failing. It it just means that okay, in the moment that I notice, oh here I am again thinking about it as me and my problems. No problem, right? Just. Practice for practice sake, okay? This is body. This is mind. This is where I can find, you know, I, I care. I don't want to suffer anymore. Sometimes the most we can do when we feel terrible is just hope that we, you know, that nobody else has to experience this something this bad. That's metta. <laughs> that's kind of, that. that's metta. And, and, and it's skillful. You can just stay with that. And right there, we we're, we're 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 practicing. If we don't add into it, you know, the, the whole story of like, okay, good. Now I'm getting somewhere, and that was that. He said that was good, so then now I'm doing. But just the just practice for practice sake. That's what Ajahn Chah and the different teachers we've had over the years have always said. You know, just kind of just keep going. Just one foot after the other. Just keep going. Don't get too discouraged, and don't worry too much about results. Just keep your eye on 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 the process, on how you're walking. And it may, it may or may not be suitable to do some of these practices. I mean, here we are, we're monks and a nun, and we, we don't, we've given up, we've given up certain things. Um, and so, you know, dividing the body into nails and teeth and skin and body hair and head hair may not be appropriate if you're like a newlywed and uh, <laughs> it may cause more problems. So I'm not necessarily saying all of you, well, you should take this up. And 
there are, there are different ways into it, and we have to work within the context that we've chosen. So see, see for yourselves. I'm going to get lots of angry letters from spouses. Because <laughs> it does have an effect. You do start... The <laughs> it's not quite as nice as it was before when you... Ajahn Sumedha used to, he said, you know, he used to do this practice of also, you know, taking the personality out of things. It's not just about sensual desire, but it's about, you know, the identification with the body and personality. Um, But I always have this image, uh, because he said when he first went to the monastery, Ajahn Chah's monastery in Thailand, and he couldn't understand Thai very well, but had a very good sense of the sort of different the different monks and all of their sort of problems and tendencies from his perspective. And, and uh, you know, this one's always kind of trying to get in there first, and that one's always critical, and this one, and that one, and that one, and this one. So to counter that, he started to use the this kind of basic contemplation on the five kind of visible elements of the body, and he used to just divide them up. He said he would kind of sit there and visualize visualize them as a, as, a, as a heap of skins over here and a heap of nails over here and a heap of teeth over here. I mean, it sounds pretty morbid and that's not going to work for everyone, but <laughs> we are stuff, you know, on that level, on the physical level, we are, we're just stuff, animated, gurgling, heated stuff, breathing here. And then there's this whole identification that we're doing. So ways of getting a perspective on that, you know, we, we, can, we can experiment. And, and there, there's a great, uh, you know, variety of, of tools in the toolbox. Thank you for listening. To learn how you can support the teachers and Dharma Seed, please visit dharmaseed.org slash donate.